Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Integration Chronicles, the only podcast focused on ecosystem integration brought to you by Clio. We're your host, Tushar Patel. And I'm Frank Kenny. Ecosystem integration is the modern innovative way to extend and augment B2B integration. It takes a process-centric approach to orchestrate, connect, and integrate the core revenue-generating interactions and operational services. Partners, shippers, carriers, enterprise applications, and e-commerce marketplaces can leverage API, EDI, and file-based integrations on the same ecosystem integration platform, all with the necessary governance and control optimized to support mission-critical interactions in real, just-in-time, and batched cycles. Every couple of weeks, we will dig into relevant topics with industry leaders and integration experts with a specific tilt towards the supply chain. You'll learn how to grow your business faster, pick up best practices for scaling your organization, and discover new ways to drive operational efficiencies. Follow us to get up-to-date alerts when new episodes are available. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Integration Chronicles. My name is Tushar Patel. I am the CMO here at Clio. And today I have a fantastic guest. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Jeff Denard, who is the CIO at Very. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Well, thanks, Tushar. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever looked up Jeff's background on LinkedIn, it is phenomenal. He's got some of the some of the coolest brands that I've engaged with in my life. And I know he's made an impact, although he never knew it, he's made an impact on, on myself and my family, whether it's uh, driving across country and stopping at an on the border or uh, stopping into your local Taco Bell. But Jeff has a, a phenomenal background and resume uh, dealing with technology and leadership at some pretty well-known brands, Taco Bell and On the Border, I mentioned, Corner Bakery Cafe, Highland Homes, and now Very, which is a, another up-and-coming fantastic brand. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Um, let's start by giving our listeners a little bit of an intro. I kind of spilled the beans a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into IT and talk a little bit about what Very does as well. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, thanks again for having me. And um, and and you spilled the beans a little, but that's okay because um, I have to tell you, Tishar, You know, I'm afraid that the tale about me will be like the most boring part of this podcast for your listeners. But so I'm going to try to I'm going to try to get through that part quickly and and spend a little bit more time talking about Barry. But I have to say, you know, we often say it's so funny, but we often say that that uh, the best leaders are storytellers. At least I believe that. Um, and so, although my journey is is kind of peculiar, it's 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 definitely made for for a heck of a lot of stories over over the years. So that's cool. Um, but I'm going to try to shorten it down a bit, and I'll just say that I I majored in English studies um, at a university on the East Coast. I'm an East Coast boy, New Jersey boy, actually. Um, and I found my way into technology, and and I have to say that 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 part of the story is is at least ten years or more. Um, but it would take us hours to get through it. Um, as you say, though, I, I, once I was in the technology space, I did spend a good deal of time as a technologist in the restaurant industry. Um, as you mentioned, um, Panera Bread and Taco Bell, uh, Corner Bakery Cafe, On the Border, um, all amazing brands, and it was a privilege to be a part of all of them. Um, I did finally leave restaurant, and as you mentioned, I left the restaurant industry to go to Highland Homes. Highland Homes is the largest private home builder in Texas. 
Um, and in another very, very strange story, uh, at Highland Homes, I met Jeff Lamb, uh, who was actually the president of Vary. And through Jeff Lamb, I met Jason McCann, who is the CEO of Vary. Um, and after many, I've known them both for five years or so. And after many, many years, I ultimately ended up coming to Vary. So I, I assure you that those few sentences are, are 30 plus years, right? Uh, for another day, and we can do another podcast some other time. Uh, but I'll talk about Vary for, for just a minute. If, if Absolutely. No, we want to hear about Vary. You guys have um, just phenomenal, right? And, and I've had a very desk in my past, actually, you know, in, in, and I think I told you the story, we used to uh, hand out very desk, the one that you clamp on to the top of a desk. We used to hand yeah. them out to top performers every quarter, we made a big deal about it. And that was that. a few years ago when nobody really, at least from my perspective, nobody really knew very and, and, and standing desk and, and Veridesk was, was kind of new. So you've been on an awesome journey. So I'd love to hear about very and kind of the journey you guys have been on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you rightfully said, uh, we're very today, but, but we were formerly known as Veridesk, right? And you said it, we were the standing desk company. Uh, we actually rebranded in February of 2020. Uh, rebranding is a, is, a, is a marketing term that you will, you will love near and dear to your heart, Tushar. So we rebranded in February 2020. It was, it was ironically, it was about 40 seconds before COVID. So it was a really bizarre time and actually even more hilarious. I started the same month, February of 2020, right before COVID. So my CEO often makes fun of me and says that I brought COVID to Barry. But, but quickly running back to the beginning, as you say, so uh, beginning of the, of the company story, I guess. So in 2012, our co-founder and chairman, Dan, uh, was at Jemmy Industries. Most people don't know Jemmy Industries. It's G-E-M-M-Y. And Jemmy was actually the maker of the the big mouth billy bass. I don't know if you remember the, uh -huh. the big mouth billy bass, the novelty item. But they also make all the inflatables uh, that, that you probably have on, on your lawn uh, and everybody else in your neighborhood has on their lawn during the holiday season. So Jemmy makes all of those giant inflatables. Um, and so Dan was having tremendous back problems. And again, this is 2012. Um, and so he, he decided, a, a doctor said, well, you should try to stand up more. Um, and he couldn't figure out how to do that. So he literally put his laptop on top of a bunch of cardboard boxes. And he stood at his desk, just like you and I are right now, um, and said, oh, okay, this is better for my back. And so um, he ended up having a conversation with his chief marketing officer at the time, who was Jason McCann, now our CEO. And they brought in David Patton um, and said, Let's, you know, let's noodle this. Let's, let's try to solution this and ideate this. Dan seems to be onto something here. He's standing up at his desk um, and much happier and he feels healthier and more productive. What do we do? And that ultimately led to the first Veridesk, which is what you were describing earlier, right? That first model of Veridesk that you put on top of your existing desk, two handles, click it up, you can stand or sit. So, so now we're, we're launching this product and it's all B2C, right? So we're, we're launching this product and directly to, to the consumer, which is a huge part of our model. We don't go through dealers. So it was all Barry.com and, um, and some other channels, but all B2C. And so this is going wonderfully, right? 2012 through 2016, 2017. And all of a sudden, some of our fans, what we call our clients or our customers, we call them fans. Um, some of our fans started to say, hey, you know, I love the standing desk, but um, do you have any chairs? And we were like, gosh, no, we don't have chairs, but give us five minutes. <laughs> we'll make you a chair, right? And then they started to say, you know, it'd be really cool uh, monitor arms. It'd be great if I could have my stuff and the thing and the thing and my monitor right attached to the." And we're like, oh, 
give us five minutes, we'll make monitor arms. And then, so this started to really, really just explode. Um, and so we, we started sort of, or, this is very organic, right? We started organically having more and more and more products that you could use to outfit your entire office. So we're in this weird B2C space, right? Doing wonderfully. And now we're sort of the pendulum starting to swing into this B2B space in which people are saying, hey, can you help me outfit my office? Yeah. And we did, right? So now, and COVID is a whole different story, which is fascinating. But so now in this B2B space, we have more than 3 million fans worldwide. And we have more than 300 SKUs that include everything like you and I've been talking about from the original Vera desk to electric standing desk, which I'm actually standing at right now. That's, and that's what I'm using. That's what I'm using as well. Yep. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you, well, I, I, we don't know. Tushar and I don't know if this is going to be uh, some video or, or all audio, but if, if there's any video, you'll see that there's moving, there's movable walls behind me, right? So um, each panel is super easy to assemble. I don't know if you can see that, but yeah. each, each panel is super easy to assemble and disassemble and move around. So within literally minutes, we can create an office or create a conference room. Um, and you can call me back a week later and say, the conference room is awesome. I love it. It's perfect, except it's a little small. Can we make it for 10 people instead of eight? And we can easily add another one or two panels, come back in, add one or two panels, move it around, right? And seating and storage and all this stuff. So we've, we've become this B2B company now that does these full office solutions. And, and we do this, um, you know, we ship our products to 120 countries and uh, we ship to 30 different countries every day, actually. Um, our products are in probably 98 plus percent of the Fortune 500 and um, and we can go from your initial contact to, to that full office installation that I mentioned in 28 days. So, and, and I'll just say one other thing. And again, I mentioned COVID. So COVID was this weird pendulum swing back to, to B2C so that sure. we could help people like you, Tushar, work from home. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so really it's just been about flexibility for us, but also we launched, um, we launched our Vera Space brand. So we were Vera Desk. We became Vary because we wanted to show people. And again, this is marketing, so it's near and dear to your heart. But we wanted to show people that we were now far more than that desk, right? Yes, so we rebranded sure. to Vary to show that we could do all these other things. And we also launched Vera Space, which is our space as a service model. Um, and we uh, own three buildings. And I'll, I'll cut to the chase, but we own three buildings in the DFW area. And we lease out space to our fans fully furnished with our furniture. So wow. that's probably, and, that's probably and, and, a longer and, answer than you want. To, yeah, but. no, but that's great because I think there's, there's a couple things in there that, that struck a chord with me. Number one, um, I literally have a calendar invite that came in this morning to look at our office furniture for a new office that we are uh, about to sign uh, a lease with. So wow. I had no idea that you've got some of the, all of the different pieces of the solution. It just kind of clicked to me even though we've been talking back and forth for a couple of yeah. weeks and working with your organization for uh, yeah. a couple of years now, almost. Yeah. I, it didn't even click to me that you guys have all these different options that are there in terms of outfitting an entire office. And the fact that you can do that in 28 days yeah. is pretty amazing. So, so, well, you know, that organic growth is just, it's just a, a, an awesome story in and of itself. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you'll laugh as CMO, but um, but we're all in sales, right? And so, so if you absolutely. need anything, if you need anything from us, you you let me know, and I'll I'll get you sorted. <laughs> I I you know what I'm going to uh, funny funny I'm I am going to look into that um, in in uh, as well, soon I know as we to call here because uh, like I said, I've got a calendar invite for you know somebody on our team saying hey we should we need to look at 
different office configurations and all that. And so it's perfect timing. So I'm, I'm, cool. glad, I'm glad that cool. we were able to discuss that. Now, as part of that organic growth, Jeff, you have had to probably deal with a lot from a CIO perspective, right? There's, um, you know, the way I think about it is the, the role in, in, that you have today, would love to get an understanding of what your role is today as CIO. And then I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the, how the expectations of your role have changed with going from B to C to B to B to now even back to B to C a little bit or, or doing both, um, as well as all this organic growth that's come along, right? Because you can't have organic growth without having the right systems in place, the right people in place, and having the right leadership in place. So let's talk about a little bit about your roles and how the expectations from your peers, the market has changed. Sure. Uh you know, I, I think I'll do the second part first, if, if that's, yeah, absolutely. If, if that's cool. Right. Yeah. And you tell me, uh, I, yeah, I can certainly fine. go in the other direction, but, you know, but I think it's interesting because there's, there's been a heck of a lot written um, and discussed on, on panels and podcasts like this, right. Over the past decade or so, I think. Um, and it's true that the role of the CIO has, has changed, I think, from just being um, the sort of proverbial computer guy in the basement that we all joke about, right, to really being somebody who has a seat at the table and, and is recognized as somebody who can contribute um, to strategy uh, and to innovation. Um, and, and I think that that's all very, very true. And, and it's a wonderful sort of evolution of, of the job. Um, but, you know, but I think there even though I say that's that's true, I, I do think there's a caveat there that I that I want to share because I think the reality of it varies dramatically across brands. And so what I mean is I, I have peers who literally like lead the innovation department for their brand. They literally are the CIO and they have all the CIO sort of normal day-to-day duties, but they also are you can call a chief innovation officer, right? And they have a full team of people who are focused solely on innovation with full PL and blah, 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 right? And, and so that's, a, again, a, it's a wonderful testament to the evolution of this role. But, but conversely, I, I also have peers um, who still struggle, I think, with, with legacy management and antiquated thinking um, born out of, um, well, lots of different things, right? I, I don't want to speak to, to why those, those brands are still there, but I, but I do want to call out that, that the role of the CIO is changing and has changed, but not for everybody. Um, hmm. I hope that that's a fair statement and I hope none of my peers are, are mad at me for saying it, but I, I really believe that it's not, um, it's not equal for everybody. Um, I would say a very, obviously we're, we're, we're really forward thinking as, as you would sure. expect. And, and we continue to make Absolutely. massive investments in technology and, and you mentioned applications and, and things that have changed over time. And right. And so in the past four ish years, we've made massive investments in Salesforce, massive investments in SAP, um, and even massive investments in, in best-in-class uh, integration platforms like Clio, right? See what I did there, Tushar? That was for you. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, and, and I, I, your, part of your question was, was how, has, how, has vary, how, has the change, how have the changes of very um, necessitated change in, in technology? And I think, um, I, I think it's fair to say that and I'll speak to what I believe my role is in a second, but I think it's fair to say that the role of the CIO has really shifted um, into more of the digital space. And I know I'm sort of preaching to the choir and, I, and I'm, I'm overstating the obvious and I recognize that, but, but Barry is a perfect example, right? Every 
everything at Barry is in the cloud. I have nothing on-prem because we're only nine years old. And thankfully the folks who were here before me had the foresight to say, let's not do anything on-prem. Let's not have everything in a, in a colo. Let's do everything in the cloud and we'll figure it out as we go. Um, but, but you're right, you know, I, I think as we look to these, the, the power and the importance of these applications like Salesforce and SAP, just examples from, from Barry, um, we realize just how foundational they are to the success of the brand, which, which I think is true for many, many people. And it's certainly true at Barry. Anyway, I don't know if that answers that part of the question. It does. But, but, it does. It but, does but I'll now, say, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, but, but as you think about um, your role, right? How have you approached your role kind of personally at Vary yeah. Yeah. as you've gone, you know, with this massive amount of, you've also had this little thing called COVID, right? Yeah. That has right. probably put a right. couple of monkey wrenches into it. Although, although if yeah. I remember right, you are responsible for bringing COVID to Vary, right? That was That's right. correct. That's, That's correct. correct. So, I, so I, maybe, I maybe you're the culprit. Maybe you, 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 you know, you weren't uh, impacted by it, but That's um, right. With all of that kind of change happening, and, and, and there's also this massive amount of individuals who are more and more conscious about their health and more and more conscious about their, their workspace, right? I remember um, when I first started off and I, I started my career at National Semiconductor and first day they come in and they have an ergonomics team coming in and they adjust everything and all of that. And, and it used to be that only the large organizations could afford to think about those things because it was considered costly. And, and now you're bringing better technology, better solutions to the masses, right? right. And, and, and in an affordable way as well, right? That's not to say they're not innovative and they're, it's, not, um, uh, it's not costly to make some of these investments, but it's, it's affordable in that the impact you make on people's lives is, is pretty significant and people are willing to, to, to pay for that. Yeah. And so I can't imagine that your role is the same today as it was even two years ago when you started. So how has that, and I guess, I guess, congratulations, two years ago, almost. Yeah, two, two, years two years on, uh, what's today, the ninth, two years on the 17th. So it'll be on the 17th. Years. All right. So a little premature, but, but in the two years, how has your role at Barry changed? Well, man, that is a super interesting question. And it, it's, a, I, I want to answer the, the, the very COVID part also. So if I forget, remind me, but, sure. um, but, but, but in all candor, right. And I, I said this on another podcast and I know it might be a little controversial, but, but for me, I don't believe the role has changed at all. And, mm. and any, and, and so, and again, it gets a little controversial, but, but I'm sharing, um, I'm old enough where I can just, you know, say what I believe, <laughs> but, but anyone who knows me has heard me say, and candidly, probably ad nauseum, they probably want to vomit, but, but I've, they've heard me say that my role as a leader first and a businessman second and a technologist, a very, very distant third. And I, I know that this is the controversial part, right? I know that a lot of technologists uh, despise that and, and resent it um, because they think that the CIO should be the most technical, the most tactical, um, the greatest technologist on the team. And, and, and selfishly, right, for what it's worth, I don't, I don't believe that. And I, so I believe that my role is to be the CEO of the technology department and, mm. and, so what does that mean? So primarily my role as a CEO of this department is to take care of my people and the budget, frankly. So taking care of people is the most important thing. I also take care of the budget, which is far less sexy, but incredibly important. And so, you know, I, as I say, I've never really believed that the role of the CIO is to be that best technologist. I, I'm, I'm candidly the antithesis of that. I'll just say that at the end of the day, I think it's my job to hire a team of servant leaders who are 
no, this is no ego, right? I believe it. Hire a team of, of servant leaders who are better than me, faster than me, and smarter than me, and want nothing more than to deliver excellence for the for the brand with without fail. And so beyond well, that, you know, I don't know if you know Pat Lencioni, but Pat Lencioni is is one of the great leadership minds of our time. And and Pat's a great friend to Barry and and we love Pat. He lives um, down Pat, the street from us from where you're I kidding. Live. Oh, yeah, he's in Darren Danville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. He's actually personal friends with our CRO. They, I think their kids play on the same sports team together and, and they live about 15 minutes away. And, and that's uh, hilarious. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he, uh, we, we've, uh, we've, we've utilized his, his teachings and his books uh, here at Clio as well. So Pat, Pat is amazing. And, and, but one of the things that Pat teaches us is that, you know, beyond CEO or, or for you, Tushar, beyond CMO or CIO for me, um, and all that that encompasses, your role is really, at the end of the day, your, your role is really, uh, you know, he says chief teamwork officer, right? And chief yeah. team building officer and chief clarity officer and chief communication officer and re chief reminding officer and leadership officer and culture officer, right? All of those things. And so I, I hope I'm adequately answering your question, but I would say you that my, my, my day-to-day -day job is to care for my people and really get to know them on a personal level so that they feel valued and engaged and, and encouraged um, and, and lead them with, with, with love and with my heart and with empathy and compassion. And, and, you know, one of the, one of my most, one of the most powerful coaches and mentors in, in my career and a good friend is a, a, a gentleman named Lee Cockerell and Lee Cockerell ran operations at Disney world. Uh, mm -hmm. for a very long time. And when he retired, he wrote an amazing book called Creating Magic. And I highly recommend that everybody read it. But, but in Creating Magic, Lee talks about what he calls A-R-E, which is appreciation, recognition, and encouragement. And he says, he, Lee says, if he, Lee writes, Lee writes, if you focus on doing these things um, ritualistically, like methodically and, and with a militant approach, then, then your people, you, you'll be building this what he calls a culture of care, right? You'll be building and maintaining a, a culture of care so that everybody on the team delivers because they want to and not because they have to. So if you're, if you're really focusing on appreciating your people and recognizing them and encouraging them, um, then you're going to build this, this, this operation in which people really, really care about each other. And I would just say one other thing. Um, I, I would say, trust me when I tell you that this is not soft, right? Or, or fluffy sure, or, 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 or weak, right? This is the... <laughs> I tell people all the time, this is the hard stuff, right? This is what drives results from the team, which, which supports the company's ability to, for us to serve our fans and, and, and make some, some dang money, right? So it may sound Absolutely. soft and fluffy when people talk about leadership all the time, but it's the core of, of how, how we lead our teams so that they deliver. That was a long and, answer too. I'm sorry. It, you know what? In, in, but, but it's a very valuable response because I think, there are so many people that need to hear it. And, and you know, I think what, what it, your point about it's not soft, I, I believe 100% is true, right? And I'm a CMO. And a lot of times people look at CMOs and say, oh, they're the most creative. I was an engineering major. I, became, <laughs> I, went, to, I went to electrical engineering school because I wasn't creative because I didn't want to write and I didn't like to read. And I, and I, and I preferred to do that's, math problems. And I preferred so awesome. to do differential equations, right? And I ended up in marketing. And, right. and what I learned, though, is very similar to you, is that a lot of my job and a lot of my role is not the creative. It's not writing that fancy tagline and coming up with the, with the colors. I've got great team members for that. Yes. My, yes, job, yes. my job is to help empower them, remove the hurdles, 
ensure I understand what challenges they have so they can be the best that they can be. And so collectively, we have a phenomenal marketing department, marketing right. team, whatever, right. marketing strategy, all of that. Yeah. And a lot of what I do is I, you know, I bring the, the, the analytical part to it. And that's my contribution to my team. I don't necessarily bring the creative part to it. Um, I, I, I am, I am loud and I am high energy. So <laughs> I get to bring that part of it, you know, to yeah. the, to the, yeah. to the equation, but, but I'm, I'm right there with you, right. Is, is um, understanding teams and, and, you know, leader, you know, being a leader first, I think right. is, is, is so important. And, and, you know, you, you said a couple of things in there. I'm going to try to weave it together here for, for the listeners. You talked a little bit about technology and you talked a little bit about business, but what you said is what's number two is you're, you're, you're a business person, number two. And I think that's super important because oftentimes organizations implement technology for the sake of implementing technology, right? right? In fact, I got a great stat for you. Um, in my past life, uh, SAP was actually a reseller of one of my uh, company's products. I was, a, I was at a small security startup and, and they had licensed and to resell our uh, mobile security, right? This is when bring your own device to work was a big deal and people were yep. freaking out about what am I going to do with this iPhone and Android device? And so we had security solutions. Well, SAP had a mobile device management platform that they had. I think it was uh, the Sybase, I think is what it was called originally. And so they were bolting on this. And when I learned through that process was that 70%, 70% of SAP software that is purchased never gets implemented. And it's because people were leading with buying technology and not leading with solving a business problem and not being you know, business people first in that CIO seat. And when I heard that, my mind was just blown. How, and, and this is one of the largest software companies in the world saying, yeah, most of our software never gets used because people buy it and it just yep. sits on the shelf. And I thought that was just yeah. a really interesting stat because it just, it just hits home on the fact that what you just said is we're leaders first, business people second. Yep. And depending on your role, in this case, CIO, you're, right. you're, a, you're a technologist last, right? Yeah, and I was. People make things happen. Yeah, I was a technologist 25 years ago, right? And you know, and again, I I, I concede and I I understand that uh, that this infuriates some technologists, and and they think that I'm soft and, and fluffy and and uh, not a real CIO, right? Uh, but I but I would argue that it's CIO is just one of those 12 titles that that we talked about, right? And so totally. my role, I, I don't define myself as high high. Tushar, I'm, I'm Jeff, I'm a CIO, right? I, I define myself as, as hi, Tushar. I, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jeff and I, I'm privileged to help uh, lead teams at, at Barry, right? I mean, that, that's what I do for a living. I love it. And, and by the that, way, I'm, I'm a little biased, but I do think you've made some great choices in technology. Just, oh, just, well, just for the record, you know. Just, right, just, just calling it like you see it. That's right. Just calling <laughs> it like I see it. Now, so with that thought in mind, when we, when we think about leadership, right? And that was what, that was honestly the reason I wanted to bring you onto the show is talk about leadership because I don't feel like we spend enough time talking about it. There's a lot of podcasts, a lot of conversation about bits and bytes and what is the right architecture? Is it hybrid? Is it cloud? Is it this? Is mm. it that? There's a lot of content about that. But when yeah. it comes to leadership and leadership, what I would call in, in the, you know, as you said, you're, you're, you're the CEO of the IT department, right? Right. Um, but I've heard you say this before. I've heard you say that you are a student of leadership. Talk to me a little bit about what does that mean to you as being a student of leadership? 
And if I want to become a student mm-hmm. of leadership, what are some of the things I should be thinking about? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I, I appreciate you asking. Um, part of it is uh, part of it is humility, right? I mean, if we're just calling it what it is, um, part of it is, 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 you know, I, I think, I think leadership is like anything else that there's, there's no free lunch. Right. And if you're serious about taking care of your people, then you have to know how to do that. Um, and it's a learned skill, right. In, in so many ways, I think so many people think that if you simply want to take care of your people, then, then like that desire is all it takes. And that could not, that could not be further from the truth. Um, you know, things like, you know, I mentioned empathy and compassion before, and, and, and I'm happy to talk about that at length, but that's probably for another day. But those things may come naturally to, to one, more so to one person than another. But I would argue that even those like seemingly what we would think of as simple human traits are, are not so simple and they need to be honed over time. And I'll give you one quick example, right? So I was just talking, uh, I was in a conference room two hours ago and I was, I was telling this story. So it's sort of fresh on my brain, but um, one example is that a, a lot of folks who are newer, I would say newer in their leadership journey, they erroneously confuse being nice with being kind. Um, and actually Pat Lencioni t- and many, many others talk about this a lot, but some people think that being a good leader is just being nice. Not true, like absolutely positively 100% not true. Like if I was being nice, I would not say, I would never say to you, Tushar, you have spinach in your teeth, <laughs> all right? If I was being nice, I, I, I wouldn't tell you that because I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings, right? Or, or Tushar, you know, your performance has been excellent um, and I hope you take this feedback in the way that it's intended, but, but we need to talk about your body odor. And, and I, I wish we weren't having this conversation, but, but it's important. And because I'm kind and because I care about you and because I love you, I'm telling you this because I want to help you. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, which for the record is, is compassion. Right. And so, so it's, it's the reason I say that I'm a student getting back to the original question, right. The reason I say that I'm a student of liter- leadership is because it's partly, like I said, humility, like I'm just not going to walk around and say, I'm a great leader. And candidly, I don't believe I'm a great leader in my heart. I believe that I'm a student and on, on the journey and continuing to, to learn. So I would never claim to be a great or even a good leader. I just claim to be a student, somebody who's passionate about it and wants to try to do better every day. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't say, hey, man, I'm a great leader. I'm going to go be a great leader to my team. I wake up in the morning and I say, first I say, how do I serve? Right? What does it mean to serve? Um, whether that be uh, my team, which is another long conversation and another Pat Lencioni uh, teaching, but, but my team is the, the, the leadership team, right? My team, uh, is the, the CEO and the president and the chief financial officer and the chief marketing officer, chief revenue officer, chief people officer. That's my, that's my team one. That's what Pat Lencioni calls team one. Yep. And that, that's the team that I'm on. And what I try to explain to people is that there's a difference between the team that I'm on and the team that I lead. I'm on that team. I lead the technology team. Um, and so when I wake up in the morning and I ask, how do I serve? I'm asking, how do I serve my team? And how do I serve the people that I lead? Um, and, and how can I try to be a better leader to them than I was yesterday, right? And I believe that it's, it's those sort of incremental, um, iterative growth opportunities that, that make you a, a student. Anyway, you asked about advice um, for somebody who wants to, to learn how to become a student of leadership or wants to learn how to lead. And yeah. 
and, and I would say, I, I love the phrase that leaders are readers. Um, and so I've mentioned a few books already. I mentioned Lee Cockerell's book, Creating Magic, which actually is the book that started me on my leadership journey. But I, I would say start with Pat Lencioni's The Motive, um, because Pat wrote something like 30 books on, on how to lead. Um, and then he wrote The Motive, I think, in 2020. And it's why. It's the why of leadership. Um, and so Pat even said, um, I wish that I had written the motive first, um, but even though I wrote it most recently, I hope that everybody reads it first because sure. what the motive asks you is, do you, do you, are you the right, are you in the right frame of mind to lead? Do you want to lead and why do you want to lead? Um, and then if the answer is yes, when you get through that book, then you can go read all of his other books and try to learn how to lead. Right. And I, yeah. I mentioned creating magic. Um, and there's a lot more, trust me, but, but I'm an ambassador and an evangelist for, uh, for emotional intelligence. Um, so I tell everybody to read Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by um, uh, Tra Travis Bradbury and uh, Gene Greaves. Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. Um, and again, I, I, I could go on and on. I, I'm writing them down because I've got, I feel <laughs> like I've got some of them on my, I, I don't have my bookshelf behind me, but um, uh, there's a term for it. And I don't know what the term is, but um, I hear about these books, I buy them. And then I, I, I don't always read all of them. I kind yeah. of skim them. I read sentences. And so there's, there's a term for it. Right. And I don't know what the term is, but uh, yeah. supposedly it's a, it's, it's on the borderline of considered a, a disease, right? <laughs> because, because <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, what a great book. And I buy it and it sits on the shelf. And then when someone brings it up, I go through, I was like, yeah. oh, I do have that book. And then I'll go and skim through it and read yeah. it. So, so well, it, it, fantastic it, uh, book recommendations. Yeah. Tr right? Trust, trust me, the, the, the motive and, and creating magic and the emotional intelligence 2.0 are quick reads. Like you could, no joke, you could read the motive on a Sunday afternoon, right? Okay. And Pat wrote it that way intentionally so that people could just sort of burn through it quickly. Um, but man, is it profound. Um, and Lee's book, right. as I said, um, it's really just the basic stuff. Um, that our moms taught us that we've that we've forgotten over yeah. over 50 years, right? So, sure. so it's 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 all those things that that you and your and your wife are are teaching Abby, right? Um, but but he'll, he's gonna he's gonna forget them in in 30 years, and and so it's good to 30 seconds probably, <laughs> right? But it's good to be reminded of that stuff. And there's one other thing that I would call a quake book, like a book that I read that that quaked me, like it stopped me in my tracks and and knocked the wind out of me, and it's less of about leadership and more about um, the way that you live your life. But, but there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way um, by Ryan Holiday. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Um, mm. And it's based on, um, based on the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius and, and his teachings and, um, and, and what, it's, it's a stoicism book, just for clarity. It's, it's a book about the the teachings of stoicism and what Marcus Aurelius said was what stands in the way becomes the way. And if you read this, like I literally, it's hard to, you can't see it, but I have goosebumps talking about it um, because that is a powerful book that will help you navigate every challenge that, that comes your way. I love it. Marcus, isn't it? There's gotta be a movie on that. That, that sounds way too familiar. <laughs> um, way too familiar. Um, fantastic. Well, how about this? Um, there's a couple of things that you said in there that I want to add to it. So I think you said, you know, leaders are readers. I think that was what you said, right? Or start yes, to sir. right? Yes, and yeah. the other thing you said, which I think is super important, but very few people do it. And it's a fundamentally simple thing to do is 
asking yourself the question. You said you ask yourself the question every morning, how can I be a better team member? How can I be a better leader? And by asking yourself that question, you are actually being present and you're forcing yourself to think about it. Because if you don't ask yourself that question, it's very easy just to open up your computer, open up your phone and just calendar your day and just just start you know plowing through a bunch of Zoom calls and meetings and right. so on and so right. forth. Because you're not taking a minute to step back and to think. And you know, uh, a lot of people out there who I've met who are great leaders like yourself have also said, hey, you know what? The first hour in my day, I don't look at my computer. I don't look at my phone. I can't, and I can't say that I am good at that because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like, okay, what do I need to go tackle? But it's super yep. important to take a step yep. back and say, okay, what is going to make an impact today to my team? What is going to make an impact today to the people that I lead? And I think that's a great way of just starting your day to become a better leader and to be, and, and to ensure that you're making an impact on individual lives, which will ultimately make an impact in your organization as well. Well, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned emotional intelligence and, and again, I'm, I'm super passionate about it. Um, and I was very, very privileged and lucky, uh, last year at, at very, we did, um, we did an, uh, inspire leadership series with our, uh, our, our, our learning team, right. On the people team. And so each one of the, each one of the executives, uh, sort of went through, um, it did a session, right, for lack of a better term. And so it could have been a book review. It could have been um, a fire. We did a fireside chat with the CEO and the president. And, and, and it was just an opportunity for each of us to spend some time um, sharing something about which we're passionate with, with everybody in the company. And so I, I partnered with an amazing uh, leader on our, on our people learning team. Her name is Katie Desimone, and I'm a huge fan. But um, we, we essentially did an emotional intelligence class for an hour. Okay. Um, and I would love to do the entire thing with you if you have another hour. No, I'm joking. Um, but, but I'll tell you that, that the, the first most elemental part of emotional intelligence is, is, is what we call self-awareness, right? And so it's introspection and it's looking inwardly and it's looking in the mirror and it's all these sort of cliches that we talk about, right? And that's what I'm doing in the morning. I'm, 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 and even if it's, I'm, even if I'm just driving in the car, right? I have a, 35 minute commute. So I have time, but I'm taking the time to be introspective and look inwardly and look in the mirror and, and, and be vulnerable, right? We talk about vulnerability a lot, but be truly vulnerable and ask yourself, Hey, how am I doing? And I guarantee that if you do that with real vulnerability, you're going to get a lot of answers you don't like. Um, But you've got to be willing to sort of, you know, what I say, uh, what I call pull up, uh, put on your big boy pants, right? You got to put on your big boy pants and accept the answers that, that come back at you from the mirror. But, but part of that introspection for me is asking, as I say, how am I doing? And, and how am I doing as a leader to Jocelyn? She's standing right there, right? How am I doing as a leader to Corey sitting right there? Um, and, and how am I doing as a peer and a, and a, and a, um, and a partner and a colleague and all of those things with, with my team? And they're hard questions, right? Because we all make mistakes and we're not always doing great. So. Absolutely. No, absolutely. But, but again, I think asking yourself that question is, is, is critical in making forward progress and, and becoming a better leader. And, and I think it's a critical part of the curriculum of being, you know, being a student of, of leadership. So 
Absolutely. So a couple of questions for you here. Um, I wasn't going to let you get away with coming on to the integration chronicles and not talk a little <laughs> bit about integration and a little bit about technology. Um, you recently went through a major uh, ERP change. I know, I know you had a major launch day with balloons and your, your whole team was, was really ecstatic. Um, I was not a part of that conversation. Um, I've just, I've admittedly stalked you a little bit on LinkedIn over the last couple of weeks as I've gotten to know you. And I, and I saw that and, and I knew that as part of that change with your ERP, you also made a change to your integration platform. And, and obviously you're a Clio customer. That's not a, that's not a secret. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you view integration in the context of growing your business. Yeah, it's, you know, I, seriously, I, I feel guilty. <laughs> I feel guilty coming on your podcast and not talking about clear or integration at all. So no, it's fine. Hey, I, the goal is not to talk about the product, but I always like right. to understand yeah. the type of impact that the platform has made on individual business because we don't always get that sure. conversation. Sure. It's you're on to the next thing and you're on to the next thing and you, and, and you right. don't take a step back to look at, okay, what, what business impact did we make um, to certain organizations? And, and I know, I, uh, I, you know, I've got a little bit of detail, a little bit of information. I've spent some time talking to your team members, but I'd love to hear from your perspective as CIO in terms yep. of how integration plays into, into your business and how you view it. Yeah, you're, you, you're correct. In October of 21, we went live with S4HANA, right? And so we're four months in-ish today, and we're still very much in the heat of the battle, which anyone who's gone through this would understand. Uh, we're making progress every day and every week, of course, but uh, regarding integration, you know, I would say that it plays, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but I, it's true. I would say that it plays very nearly as an important role as the applications themselves, right? And I know your listeners already know this, and I'm like preaching to the like actual literal, not literal choir, but I'm preaching to the proverbial choir, right? Sure. But there's there's no Harry Potter magic that gets an order from Salesforce to SAP. Right? There's integration in between there. And so technologists are thinking about this all the time, but, but people on the business side don't always think about that. There, there is no magical handoff. You know, An order is created in Salesforce. There's no magic that gets it to SAP. And similarly, there's no magic. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. That's why we're having this conversation. But there's no Harry Potter magic that gets the order from SAP to the warehouse for fulfillment. Right? That's integration. Right, and in in in, in our in, in our case, that's that's Clio, right? And so, those those file movements and about 150 others, frankly, um, they all traverse integration platforms like like Clio. And so, integrations are as elemental to our success across the brand as as anything that I can think of. Um, and and you know, candidly, sometimes things like Salesforce and SAP, uh, they get the limelight, and and they're the sort of sexy big name application. But but it's the it's the integrations behind the scenes who are literally making, um, making everything work. Um, and, and so I, again, I, I think all your listeners know that, but, but uh, we, we try to tell the story here at Barry that, um, that Clio is just as important, just as an important partner to us as, as SAP is, because without Clio, I'm not getting those deliveries from SAP to the warehouse to fulfill orders for our fans, right? Yep. Um, I, and I would say that Clio continues to be an outstanding partner. I, I think, I do think we're still going to need some some care and feeding um, from your team as we navigate the next few months and, and get more Absolutely. and more and more stable. And, and, and I know that everybody on the Clio side is already committed to being there with us every step of the way. And we're incredibly grateful. Um, but to date, the, the 
everyone on the Clio side has been phenomenal. So I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you while I have you on the. Oh, well, thank you for, for trusting us because we know, um, you know, obviously, obviously from where I sit, um, and, and, and a huge part of why I'm at Clio is because I do believe that believe what you just said is, is integration is such an important, such an important part to getting anything done, right. When it comes to business processes, um, even when you talk about just integrating, even internal applications, integration becomes important. Well, we focus on the, on the, you know, internal to external integration and, and getting right. orders and load tenders and, and, and all of that through your system and, and orchestrating that entire business process. Uh, it is very important. And, and I'm glad that we are, we're a part of a small little part of your journey uh, personally and, and, and as well as very. So um, I appreciate you joining today, Jeff. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm already going through my head, all the little tidbits and quotes that I can, I can pull <laughs> out of this and share with my team. Um, but I always, 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 um, and I didn't prep you for this. So I always ask an oddball question I'm ready. Of every podcast uh, <laughs> episode, and it's a little bit of a curveball, and, and maybe not so much for you. I'll give you a little bit. I'll give you a softball, right? Uh, okay. If you could be any character in Harry Potter, oh boy, who would that character be, and why? Oh man, you know, what a great question! Wow, that is that is a left left field question. Um, you, you mentioned Harry Potter, so you brought yeah, it on. Yeah, no, myself. no, I, I brought it on. I brought this on myself. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think, I don't know if this is a fair answer, but um, I'm a Griffin. I mean, I'm a Gryffindor. So anybody who's a Harry Potter fan knows, you know, you've gone through the, te- the online tests multiple times and you know your, your house, right? So I'm a Gryffindor, you know, and I would say that Harry, I would want to be Harry Potter because, and this is going to sound super, you know, silly, um, but those books came along at a time in my life when I needed to rekindle my passion for reading, right? Mm. You know, you, you get to a certain point in your life and you're reading less and less and less books and you're reading more and more newspaper articles or, or magazines or whatever. Um, and so I started to fall out of love with reading novels and, um, and I don't even know how I found it. It was probably like a newspaper article, no pun intended, right? But it was probably, yeah. probably read about it online. Like, hey, there's this new kid's book and it's really taking the world by storm. And I was like, okay, well, it sounds you cute. You wanted to be a cool kid. Yeah, you want to be a cool yeah. kid. Too, right? Yeah, I wanted, I thought it sounded cute. I'm in my 30s or something at that point, right? But I thought, well, it sounds cool. And it's a kid's book, right? It'll be easy to read and it'll help me fall asleep. And so I, I started reading it and became totally an obsessed Harry Potter fan. Um, and so I'm super grateful for the the books themselves. Um, but the character of Harry really just uh, resonated with me on, on so many levels. And I know he had a lot of faults and I, you know, and I cherish that. I, I, I cherish his imperfections um, because I have a bajillion, right? We all do. And again, if you're introspective, sorry to bring it back to emotional intelligence, but if you're truly introspective and um, and want to do better, uh, then you recognize that you have that, that bajillion flaws. And, yeah. and Harry has so many, um, but he overcomes adversity. And I, I tell people all the time, I'll, I'll share a secret with you. So if I'm, I'm giving away a secret, if I ever interview any of your listeners, but one of my interview questions is, um, tell me the hardest thing that you've ever gone through and how did you get through it? So it could be personal, it could be professional. It's a wide open question. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, 
but I'm asking because you're sitting here. So I'm interviewing you, Tushar. So Tushar, you're sitting here in front of me and you're healthy and happy and you seem to be doing well and, and you're inter interviewing for this exciting job at Barry. So you made it, like you got to the other side. Um, tell me what was that and, and how did you do it? And it's a really hard question to answer in an interview. It is. I mean, it's tough, right? And I've heard every single answer you can imagine from, um, from a very simplistic answer to I struggled in a project to um, really sort of, you know, cataclysmic life-changing uh, things that happened to people and how they got through it. And so what I'm measuring in this, in this, in your answer is I'm measuring um, resiliency, uh, tenacity and resiliency, right? Um, tenacity is your ability to sort of grab onto the ball and not let go. Um, and resiliency is your ability to bounce back. And so I'm okay. trying to figure out how, how did you do that? Because and I'm sharing this because we're talking about Harry Potter, right? Um, and adversity is what builds your character, like not the good times. The good times are easy. It's adversity that creates, uh, it makes you who you are today, right? Um, and so Harry had so much adversity and got through it. So uh, that might have been the yeah. lamest answer you've ever gotten on the podcast. I, no, but. you usually ask a question about Sesame Street, but you brought Harry Potter into the conversation. <laughs> I had to go down Harry Potter, but... That was great, Jeff. And, you know, you, 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 in, in sharing uh, interview questions, one of the questions I ask, and it, 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 it's related to the whole introspection and, and understanding kind of where you're at and uh, what got you to, to the point that you're at. The question I ask is, if Jeff, if, if Jeff was hiring Jeff, if you were hiring yourself, what would be the one reason why you would not hire Jeff? Oh, my gosh. Right? And it's super tough question because people... They, they, they don't know if they should answer honestly or not. Right, right. And you should see some of the answers I get. They're, they're pretty amazing. And, and I would say um, I do that because I want to understand uh, how aware an individual is with their yep, weaknesses, yeah. as yep, well yeah. as I ask them, okay, you made a mistake probably, right? They'll, they'll, they'll talk about some, how did you yep, overcome yep. it? Or what yep, is the tenacity? Yep. Sure, what sure. is the resiliency? And it helps me understand that right. and allows me right. to go down that conversation because a lot of life and, and a lot of just growth. And, and, and I hire a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who are earlier in their career. Usually it's their first job out of college or right. it's their second job because they took a first job and it was a complete disaster or wasn't, yep. they, they just took the yep. first job that came their way yep. and now they really know what they want to go do. That's kind of the profile of the folks that um, we typically bring on into the marketing organization here at Clio. So, sure. Sure. but with all that being said and done, Jeff, thank you so much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Denard, CIO from very uh, leader first, business person second, technologist last. And, and I can't, I, I'm going to ingrain that into my brain because I really love that three-part phrase. Uh, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, there's just so many nuggets and so many golden nuggets that came out in this conversation that I'm going to take away. So I'm, I'm uh, thankful for the time that you spent with us this morning. Well, Tushar, you're uh, you're far too uh, generous and gracious <laughs> in your praise, but but I, I thank you for it. And it means the world to me that you would say those things. So I don't take it lightly and I'm super grateful and uh, and I enjoyed the time and, and I wish we could do three more hours. All right. Well, I, I will probably hit you up for another episode. So thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.